Welcome to Living the Reclaim Life podcast. I'm Denisha. We're glad you're here for conversations that revive hope, inspire healing, and encourage you to live a vibrant life with Christ. So grab a cup of coffee as we chat with today's guest. Well, welcome back. Uh, I have Valerie McMahon here with me today. Hello. And we are so excited to kick off season two. So that is pretty awesome. That's amazing. I know. We're excited about this. We took a little break in January just because life in December was a little crazy and that got us ready to uh, launch season two. And I love the topic uh, that we're going to be talking about. We're actually going to do a two part because we know us and we know (laughs) that we're never going to be able to cover everything that we want to share with you guys in one episode. Uh, When you think of February, you think of love, right? And we know that that can be a hard subject, right? Mm. Some of us um, really want love. Some of us have love. Some of us are grieving love that we had. Mm. And it can be a really tender topic. And so as Valerie and I were kind of processing what we would be talking about in February on both our blog and the podcast, uh, we were talking about distorted love. And I think, you know, when we think about that, there's so many different ways um, that we can either experience love that's been distorted or we can even give distorted love. And so today, uh, Valerie and I thought we'd kind of kick off this by talking about some different ways that our understanding of God's love can Mm. be distorted. So we're kind of going to talk about the uh, vertical right now. And then later on in the month, we're going to talk about more horizontal in our relationships and things like that. But for today, we're going to kind of share, yeah, distorted love. Like Valerie, for you, Mm -hmm. what comes up when you think of distorted love? Well, I I think when it comes to God... First and foremost, because I was going to say how our the distorted love that can happen in our horizontal relationships really starts with our view of God and our view of God and our view of how He loves us. I I think to me when distorted love, as far as distorted love of of God, you know, distorted view of God's love, um, I think about what do I need to do for that love. And I think that's one of the number one lies. I know for me, um, as as some of you know, as I've shared, I grew up in the church, Denisha. I grew up in a Christian home, love my parents, wonderful parents, wonderful church experience. But I think for me, as I've looked back and how I understood God's love, I knew God loved me. I knew that He created me, but somewhere along the way in my childhood and even as I grew up to adulthood, there was a shift where I felt like I had to do something to not only earn that love, but remain in that love. Mm. So that's that distorted view. So how does that, how has that played out for you, like as a child and as an adult? Well, you know, it's interesting. I look back at my childhood and like I said, I I definitely felt loved from my parents and felt love from God. But from a very early age, for me, it was, um, I could see a thread of performance in almost Mm. everything I did. I mean, I, I was a good student. I wanted to earn the A and I, um, everything I did, whether it was softball or performing arts, like I wanted to do the best that I could. But I, I remember how, 
I always felt like things had to be just so, um, like even in fifth grade, I remember like my teacher had to have a meeting with my mom. It's like, she's working too hard, you know? And I was like, what? You know, I thought that was a good thing. Some parents are listening right now saying, I wish that was what my teachers told me for my kids. Like you're doing, you know, she, she just gets, I literally, Denisha, I I would get wound up in knots, like, like stressful knots over like not having a blank on my homework. Like, you know, I mean, and I think looking back, it's like, okay, why? Like, why was there that need to, to have it all figured out, to have it all right. And so there wasn't, I don't think there was a particular event. Um, I didn't really have a lot of trauma or tragedy growing up, but, but somehow, and, and I believe even sometimes generationally, I, I know my mom and dad, you know, there's even just when they were growing up, just, you know, the need to, you know, you do the right thing, you, you know, you obey God. And it was more like, this is what you do to please God. And this is what you do to not please God. So I I think sometimes even the church, you know, sometimes the message that is sent in the church, you know, can get distorted even as we receive it. So yeah, I, it's, it's something that I continue to even struggle with. And, and that, that performance based kind of perspective is what, you know, we see God more as what a master, Mm -hmm. right? Like you do this, you're in my favor. You don't do this. You're not in my favor. And that's not, that's not who God is, right? We know God is a loving father, but how, how do we change that, that view? Yeah. And, you know, I think I find it interesting that you grew up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. And so you had all of, you know, you had the Bible being taught. You had, mm-hmm. you know, the, the love of your parents leading you into that relationship with Christ. And for me, I can relate to so much of what you said. However, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're kind of that distortion for me came in. Obviously, I didn't know the Lord. I came to the Lord when I was 21. Mm -hmm. And so for me growing up, I was a big time perfectionist, still am. I'd like to say recovering, but sometimes (laughs) I'm like, I think I still might be an addicted perfectionist. I'm working through that. That is Mm -hmm. something the Lord constantly has to tend to me. And you know, when I find myself getting to those places, I've done a lot of work, you know, kind of some story work, figuring out where in my story did that start coming in where I Mm. thought I had to be perfect. Mm. And, you know, my parents, and this isn't to blame them, this is just as I was tracing back in my Mm -hmm. story, like your parents are still married. My parents Mm -hmm. were divorced when I was a couple of months old. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think I really deal with rejection and abandonment. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like to achieve, to perform, to be the best, to be competitive, that those things somehow fill that space in me where I feel Mm. abandoned or rejected. And recently I saw a study that does, that said that 90% of people in the world, you guys, like 90% of people in the world that have those type that have those wounds, their wounds are abandonment and rejection. Mm. And so I think for me, it came in at an early age, not because, not just because my parents got divorced. If you've been divorced, your kids do not, does not mean they're going to struggle with abandonment and rejection. This was my personal struggle. But I think growing up with my mom and not my dad, I think that did something to me where I always yearned for that dad and thought Mm. if I'm a good enough little girl, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, my teacher will love me. Maybe Mm. I'll find favor here or there. And, and so I think it played out in my life a lot and to where 
I guess that strive for praise or approval, acceptance mm-hmm. from people mm-hmm. is where I think I distorted love a lot. Like if yeah. the better, the higher my paycheck was, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was um, in the jewelry industry at a young age. And so I was making really good money, like at 20 years old. And I think I had a lot of my identity wrapped up in, mm-hmm. I'm doing well, I'm successful, I'm this, but really I was just striving to try to meet some sort of God spot in my heart yeah. that was never going to be filled un- until I met him. Yeah. Well, and I think there was, it's interesting you talk about rejection because I, I think one of the first pain points in my story was I had a best friend. I moved schools in third grade. So she was my best friend from third grade. The school went up to fifth grade. I mean, we did softball together. I mean, we dressed alike. I mean, we were best friends. And I told you about this time in my life in fifth grade where my teacher had a had to meet with my mom because like I was just tying myself up and you know, stressful knots over, you know, my homework and all that. And it's interesting because after that time, you know, my my best friend Salt's like, you know, Valerie's getting this attention, you know, from her teacher, this special attention. She ended up kind of rejecting me as a friend. Mm-hmm. And I was doing some story work, story work a few years ago too, and just realizing it's like I never realized that was still a wound, that mm-hmm. I was rejected for this performance-based life I was living. And it's like, gosh, there was so much shame in that, in that like, oh, like, then then this is not right. And it's almost like I I got kind of this loss, like, okay, what? Like, like I thought this was the right thing. And then now my friend's rejecting me because, you know, getting help for this or that. And so it like, it's amazing how this feeling that we're talking about, this feeling of, you know, rejection, abandonment, you know, it can start so young mm-hmm. and we don't always realize at that time the lies that are sown just from even just a a moment like that and how that can carry if we can't if we don't that's why you know story work we're talking about is so important to go back and be you know we don't want to go back right <laughs> we don't want to <laughs> open up those chapters again but yet there there's connection there there's connection to like where where was that first lie believed where was that first wound and we have to allow god to speak truth in that moment in that memory and that you know that's what's been that's what's been helpful for me that's so good yeah. you know as you're saying that i'm actually thinking back that isn't it interesting like rejection and abandonment right i can mm-hmm. find many places where my story intercepted with those feelings and i i chose i chose to hold on to them they just sort of made mm-hmm. that impact in my heart and uh but it's interesting my mom being a single mom being super super driven she worked a ton and so I saw her work as I would be upset that, you know, she would work and succeed mm. and do things like that. But at the same time, my heart, I felt rejection, abandonment. Isn't it interesting that I'm choosing that same path? Mm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that achieving that I'm going to be successful like my mom, but yet those were the very, that was the very actions that led to those emotions bubbling up in me at a young age. Mm. And like still even, you know, now it's like, oh, I can achieve, I can kind of fill that hole. Mm-hmm. But the truth is like, we're totally accepted in God's love, right? We're yeah. justified by grace. Like our serving, our performance, our um, achievement should be motivated like by a deep gratitude for being unconditionally loved and accepted by God, not mm-hmm. trying to fill some wound or something mm-hmm. like you said, that comes in at such an early age. 
Well, and I think, I don't know. I mean, we can say it's our culture, which I, I do, I do believe, you know, obviously we're products of, of our culture in many ways, but we, we do have such a, how do you put it? Like people applaud and praise what you do and yeah. not just who you are. And, you know, I think it's, it's leaked into every part of our society, even our churches and even how we, you know, the, the idea of serving, you know, my bringing back to my mom's upbringing, she said, you know, we were taught, you know, you're the hands and feet of Jesus, which we are, but it's like, you know, we are not loved any more or any less by how we serve or what we do for God. Hmm. You know, we should do for God out of our love for him out of his love for us, but we don't do for God to get that love. And I think that, but yeah, I think, I think a lot of it when we, you know, think about identity, it's like, you know, a lot of times you say, you even ask people, what do you do? You know, on an airplane, what do you do? You know, we don't, we never really ask people, who are you? <laughs> Wouldn't that be you crazy? Know? We should. Hi, nice we should to do meet that. You. Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> Tell, I'm Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me who you are. I mean, to really get, yeah. but I, I think, Denisha, I think that's, you know, in addition to these pain points we've talked about in our childhood where we attached a certain belief, a certain lie, it's, it's just, as Christians, can we make that shift? I mean, we are, as believers, can we can we be that influence in the world to say, hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not just going to point out, you know, even like with our children, mm. you know, from a very early age, early in my parenting, I, I, I started shifting from you're a good girl to what am I trying to say? Like trying to focus on who they are, not just like, oh, oh, that was good. That was good what you did. But like, mm-hmm. no, it's like, you are precious. You are beautiful. You are loved. And mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, that's where it starts in our own thoughts of realizing that God loves me just as I am, as I get up in the morning and, and breathe and wake up, I am so loved. Whether I open my Bible first thing in the morning or not, whether I speak a unkind word or not, whether I go and and serve the poor or not, like I am loved. And as we know that love, then it's like, that's what compels us to do all those things, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like that. And that is still, I'm, I'm in a Bible study right now going through the spiritual disciplines. And we were just talking about the study of God's word. It's like, how do we approach the study of God's word? Do we actually, this was kind of a, a cool connection. Jesus is called the word. Jesus is the word, the lo- logos. And like, if you look at every word of the Bible being the word of God, then as we come to scripture, see it not as something we're doing, mm. but as that we are actually, every word we read, we are with Jesus. Mm. We are with the word. Like, we are having relationship with him. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. that still, that it's not about doing, it's about being with oh, that's good. the presence of God. So, yeah, anyway, that's just, oh, that's well, what some, some of the things that God is just working in me right now. So I love that. It's like, do we want to live by the love of the law or mm. do we want to live by the law of love? Amen. Yeah. And, you know, we, as you were saying that, it kind of reminded me of the prodigal son. 
you know, that he, the prodigal son goes out, you know, mm-hmm. does just makes a mess of his life, mm-hmm. right? Comes back and the father's welcoming him home. The father's like, what relationship part, that law of yeah. love, you know, you just mm-hmm. see this love, this embracing that's let's throw a party. Mm-hmm. And then you have his older brother who's like, but wait, I, I followed all the rules. I I've did all the right things. Yes. I know that's me. <laughs> I relate to that. He's like, I served you. I, I've been with you. I, all these years I've served you. Yes. I've done all the right things. And yet you, you know, kill the fattened calf and throw a party for my brother who went out and squandered his inheritance yeah. and all of this. And, you know, I think a lot of times when we hear that story, we, we can relate with the prodigal son, right? We can relate with, oh, I can come. Thank goodness. Cause yes. I messed up a whole lot. Yeah. I can run home to the arms of the father. And I I remember, and I don't have it open right now, so forgive me if I am off a little bit, but I remember one of the things the father says to the older brother. A lot of times we relate to the prodigal son, but I think the the more I've been studying, the more I've been looking into things, the more I think I relate. Honestly, I realize mm-hmm. my heart is probably more aligned with the older brother mm-hmm. than the running home to dad with, you know, you yeah. know, here, you're going to throw a party, like and, and embracing that love that he has to offer. But, and I'm working on through that, right? But mm-hmm. that's real. And I think I can relate a lot to the, to the older brother who's like, but wait, I've done this, 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 but I love there's some part in there where the father says, but everything I have is yours. And so it's almost like saying, no matter what you did, you could go squander, come back. Mm-hmm. Not that we want to do that because, yeah. you know, there's, there's consequences, but like everything I have is yours. Mm-hmm. And I just always remember that piece going, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting. You, you just brought up about grace and I'm going to challenge, I'm, can I say something challenging, yeah. even challenging our own? And I've, I've said this phrase many times myself, but you know, we often say the, say the phrase, Um, to encourage somebody else, give yourself grace. You know, if you think about that phrase, there is a lot of performance kind of underlining Mm. that because can we really give ourselves grace? Because where does grace come from? Mm. Grace is a gift, a free gift from the Father that He has lavished on us, and that's in Ephesians 1. And so I'm going to challenge, you know, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong if you say this phrase. I say it too, but I just want to challenge our listeners. When you think about that word, you know, give yourself grace, that puts you in the seat of having to do the work. The work has already been done. You you cannot earn grace. You can really not give yourself grace. So I want to challenge our listeners as we're kind of talking about this shift in perspective. Change the word give to receive, you know, and just being able to say, God, I receive this gift of grace today because Denisha, I, like I said, I grew up in the church and, you know, there's many scriptures that talk about the grace we receive at salvation, which that is what salvation is. It's a gift. It's something we cannot earn. And so, you know, scripture talks about, we receive this gift of grace as salvation. And I think some of what's played into that distortion that we've been talking about for me is that realizing that Grace is not a gift just given at salvation. That grace is something we literally receive every single day. You know, we, we, I love the scripture and we often quote, you know, his mercies are new every morning. And, you know, you think if you can kind of interchange grace in that too, like he gives us new grace 
every single morning. Like we don't have this gift, like this present we opened at salvation. It's like, okay, you know, when it's gone, it's gone. You know, when it, when it wears out, you know, but Mm. like his gift of grace is new every morning. So, so just, you know, as we're, and I know we'll talk about more in our second part next week, but just again, that, that shift, sometimes that little shift of language can make all the difference in how we view God, you know, that we can't give ourselves grace. We can receive it. We can give it to somebody else Mm -hmm. because God's given it to us, but we really just have to open up our hands. If you have to do that physically or our hearts and say, God, I receive this. There's, there's power in that because he's already given it. Mm -hmm. We don't have to earn it, but we do have to, you know, we receive it. We, we, openly say, God, yes, I acknowledge that this is something I cannot earn and I receive it. So wanted to give that challenge. That's awesome. So. That's a great challenge. I love the word receive mm-hmm. and we can't give what we don't have. So if we receive grace, we can have, we have grace to give. Amen. Yeah. I love that. All right. Well, we're going to come back next week and we're going to talk about a few more lies that we believed. You know, today we hit on performance, Mm. achievement, perfectionism. And next week, let's tackle some more uh, because I know we're not alone in this and neither are you. So if you can relate to what we talked about today, you're not alone in this. Um, We'd love to connect with you more. Uh, We have you can go to reclaimedstory.com. We're a nonprofit organization in Tucson, Arizona, and there's blogs on there. And this is our heart, right? That we can Mm. find hope and healing from our past through a vibrant relationship with Jesus. And so as you go on there, there's blogs, there's, we have a jewelry line uh, to help just affirm your identity in Christ and um, all sorts of resources. You can read other ladies' stories of transformation on there as well, of just different things that Jesus has done in the lives of women. So we hope you're encouraged by that today and we'll see you same time, same place next week.